I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again to go back in time, hop into that black and gold DeLorean to yesteryear, Steeler yesteryear, that's the most important thing, and talk about great games of the Pittsburgh Steelers past. Now, there is nobody better to jump into this car with than my good friend, Tony Defio, BTSC Hall of Famer, and probably one of the greatest personalities that the blogosphere has ever seen. Tony, what is up, my friend? I am flattered. That's what's up. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to going back in time and, and talking about this great game from 1978. Well, you know, we grew up around the same time, not in the same area, but I have a feeling we would have been great friends, especially talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I got to tell you, if you really like that intro, I'm going to start going on dates with you and maybe job interviews and coming in just like a Bobby of the Brain Heenan would or a Paul Heyman for the WWE and just uh, pumping you up, being your mouthpiece to get you started. What do you think? I like it. I like it. I'll be in the background flexing my guns. But, <laughs> but just, don't, just don't call my dates uh, humanoids. I wouldn't work over really well. <laughs> I promise I won't call them humanoids, Tony. So let's go back to 1978, November 27th to be exact. Number one at the box office for moviegoers was a movie that I've never really heard of. It's called Midnight Express. It's about an American played by Brad Davis, no relation, stuck in a Turkish prison and realizing that he has to get out. Tony, I've had dates like that. Uh, hopefully it was a good ending for you, but I, I have to check out this movie. I, like you, I've never heard of it, so I'll have to see what it's all about. If it was number one that year, it must be pretty good. Yeah, it was number one at that time. Also, number one on the radio was a song that I know you know. It was by Legends, Barbara Streisand, and Neil Diamond. You don't bring me flowers, Tony. 
It was kind of impressive that they were able to crack through the disco revolution at that time and have a number one hit. Yeah, I remember that song quite well. Now, a couple weeks later, the number one song was La Freak by Chic. Freak out! It epitomized for me, Tony. Disco and roller skating. Amen to that. Now, now you're talking about disco and you're talking about La Freak. As the kids say today, it was fire. <laughs> fire? I, I didn't know that. It, yeah. Or Juju would say it's lit. It's lit. It was lit. That's right. It was very good. It was lit. <laughs> Okay, something uh, very bad happened that day as the Pittsburgh Steelers were getting ready to play the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco and the city of San Francisco had a tragedy when San Francisco Mayor George Moscone and San Francisco City Supervisor Harvey Milk were shot and killed in the San Francisco City Hall by former Supervisor Dan White on November 27th, 1978 of that day. Now, This is significant because about 30 years later, there was a movie made called Milk about the city supervisor, Harvey Milk, who was killed. He was the first openly gay politician, and he was killed that day. Sean Penn won an Academy Award for portraying Harvey Milk. So something I've never watched that movie. That's something I'd like to check out. But that happened on this day in San Francisco where the Steelers were playing. And a lot of halftime was dedicated to that tragedy Something that I've heard of, but watching this game, actually watching the news highlights of it, it was a very major event in our time, Tony. And I went back and watched it after you told me about it and, and seeing the react, even hearing the reactions of the port of the reporters when it was report when it was announced that the mayor and, and his aide were shot. That was dramatic. Yeah, it was it was almost surreal as they played this game because it probably wouldn't happen today. They probably would postpone the game. But yeah, it was crazy that that happened. I mean, you just never know. And I never knew that that these two things happened on the same day. So let's talk about this game, Tony. It's a game that we normally really wouldn't talk about because you have the 1-11 San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were 10-2 and at the time. And Tony, you were telling me that was one of their best starts ever until 2020? Yeah, I mean, at the time, I mean, for for years, up, up through 2000, what, 2004, Ben's first year, that was their best record they ever had, so... Yeah, on paper, it didn't seem like it'd be a a great game to cover, but it turned out this was going to be a a pretty entertaining game. That indeed it was. And let's go to kickoff here. Paul Hofer took the opening kickoff from Roy Jarella. Yes, Jarella's gorilla was still there, and he brought it to the 49er 35 to open the game. The young 49ers had, believe this, Tony, 17 rookies and eight second-year players on the roster, but they would not have a number one pick the next year because they traded it away for OJ Simpson and OJ was not able to play in this game as he was on injured reserve. Tony, would that trade happen today? There's no way, especially the way people value draft picks today. I couldn't imagine a 10 year veteran running back getting uh, traded for a first round pick, but you know, the 49ers were in a pretty bad stretch and I guess they were prone to make some pretty big mistakes in those days. The quarterback at the time was a very interesting name. You know him. He played in the league for a long time, Steve DeBerg. But DeBerg was sat down. They brought in another player that not a lot of people have heard of and I never heard of until watching this game. And he was a big guy. 6'5", Scott Bull was starting his third game at quarterback and Bull would pay dividends on the very first play of the game, Tony. Bull had a wide open Freddie Solomon near midfield, but his overthrow landed in the midst of number one pick for the Steelers, Ron Johnson, 
the rookie from Eastern Michigan returned the ball to the San Francisco 47. Welcome to the Steel Curtain, Scott Full. And when I say pay dividends for the black and gold, Tony. Absolutely. When you're, when you're playing a, a team like that, a team of 2011, you, you want to get on them early. And, and Scott Bull, he made a, a huge mistake. And Ron Johnson, part of the Steel Curtain defense, took, took advantage of it and set the Steelers up at, at the 47. Out came Terry Bradshaw and the Steelers' offense. The Steelers' run game, they were having struggles in 1978. And that's something really weird to think of, especially having Sidney Thornton on that team, backing up Rocky Blyer and the one and only Hall of Famer, Franco Harris, they were only averaging one touchdown per game. A lot of it had to do with Benny Cunningham being injured and out, and Randy Grossman was starting for number 89, but the tight end from Temple, you know, he was more of a receiver than a run blocker for the Steelers, so the running game was suffering. None of that seemed to matter early on as Franco Harris reeled off runs of 6 and 16 on his first two carries. To follow that, Rocky Blyer ripped off one for 13 to move the chains. Harris would get bottled up on first and second down. Before third down, Steve Corson was called for an offsides infraction, and the rookie Archie Reese sacked Bradshaw all the way back at the 25 for a loss of eight. In comes number 10, Jarella, a blast of 42 yards, and usually we're talking about Roy Jarella missing, but he was true on his first attempt here, Tony. It was a shame that the drive stalled the way it did. It, was, it started out really promising, as you said, on, on the ground. But a mistake by Corson and Bradshaw getting sacked, it kind of forced them to go for three. But but Jarella was true on this play. On San Francisco's second series, the home team went to the ground with Hofer, who moved the chains on more than one occasion. But Jack Ham and the Steelers' defense clamped down and forced a punt. Ham was magnificent in this game. You could tell why he was the Hall of Famer that he became. Jack Ham was a quiet assassin for the Steelers. And when we watch these games, Tony, it's always number 59 coming up big. I hate to say underrated because he was the first ballot Hall of Famer. Out of all the first ballot Hall of Famers that they had on this team, he was probably maybe the, the most underrated. He was so smooth, so disciplined. As you said, Jack Lambert was more flamboyant and a more intense one, so he he got most of the the pub with the with the missing front teeth. But Jack Lambert, or I'm sorry, Jack Ham was such a, a a consummate professional, and he was he seemed like he was always in in the right place where he was supposed to be on on just about every play. And you know where Jack Ham's from, right? Johnstown. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you didn't before you knew me, you know it because I say it all the time. Went to Bishop McCourt High School. Love me some Dobershunka. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Let's keep this going. We've got a T-Bell sighting. I always thought it was Theo Bell on my football cards, but they called him T-Bell. Tony, is it, was that just a pronunciation or was that a nickname? It had to be a nickname because uh, I don't think uh, – it had to be his nickname because I, I always thought it was Theo Bell too, so I guess it was, uh, it was T for short. So back to receive was T-Bell and Jim Smith, one of my favorite Steelers that you don't hear a lot of. Missing back there, though, to receive the punt was a sixth-round pick out of Pitt named Randy Rudershawn, Tony. He mm -hmm. was seriously injured in a single-car accident 10 days earlier, and I did not know much about Rudershawn. He was a player that has a Super Bowl ring and an NCAA championship ring from playing in the same city because he played at the University of Pittsburgh in 1976. Now, Rudershawn, he would recover from that injury, but there was a lot of worry 
but he was advised to not play football ever again, but he was not able to continue his career in Pittsburgh. That's a shame. What might have been with Randy Rudershawn returning kicks because he was a pretty good player that I didn't know much about. Yeah, I, I didn't know either. Uh, they mentioned it briefly during the game, and, and I had no idea. It was such a, such a shame. You never know. Uh, he was a hometown guy. He w- went to Pitt. It seemed like he had a lot of promise as a kickoff returner, but it, it, just, it just wasn't meant to be for him. Smith would return the ball to the Steelers 21 before being bottled up, and the Steelers were getting ready to go on the march again. After getting to midfield, courtesy of a pass to Swan and runs by Harris, Bradshaw facing a blitz through wide of Randy Grossman, and it became the fifth interception of the year for the 49ers' Chuck Crist. Crist brought the ball back to the Steeler 41. With runs by Hofer and Bob Farrell and catches by Paul Seal, the Niners got down to the 15-yard line. Faced with a fourth down, San Francisco sent in Ray Wershing for a 32-yard attempt, but the kick sailed wide left, and the score remained 3-0. That's a big miss for the 49ers because if they get on the board after intercepting the blonde bomber, they can make a game out of this early, Tony. Absolutely. And I don't know what, what San Francisco's coach was thinking here. You're 1-11. You could have really gave, given your team a, a shot of momentum by going for it on fourth and inches. What, you know, what do you have to lose there? So for, for them to just to, to settle for a field goal, it just didn't make any sense to me. In the second quarter, the Blonde Bomber went to the air with first down passes to Swan, Grossman, and John Stallworth. With a second down at the 22, Bradshaw went deep to Lynn Swan. Number 88 was all alone in the right corner of the end zone for the score. After getting shut out the week before, Swan already had four catches on the night. And this was vintage number 88, Tony. Oh, it was beautiful. I've, I've actually seen this highlight a million times on NFL films, for that, but I never saw it in, in like the broadcast version. It was just beautiful. He was all alone. It was an over-shoulder over catch. He was more than just the, uh, the, the graceful swan jumping here. He was a really savvy receiver, and, and he found himself wide open on this play. But still, back in the day, Lambert would walk past him and say, they should have taken me number one and you number two. There's one, a lot of reasons why Jack Lambert's maybe the most popular player from that era, and that's, that's, a, that's a great anecdote. Uh, only Jack Lambert could, say, could do something like that. No filter on... <laughs> Absolutely not. Clinic figures, probably. You know what? I just read this, Tony. It was from Rocky Blyer, actually. And he would hang around Jack Lambert because Jack Lambert actually had an ashtray bolted to his locker. (laughs) That's perfect. What a character. I love number 58. Count Uh, Dracula in cleats. I mean, if there's ever a, a, a player that was perfect for the Steelers in Western PA, it was Jack Lambert. After a drive that featured a quarterback sneak by the 6-5 Bull for a first down, the 49ers drive was halted and a Frank Connell punt ensued. The Steelers took over at the 33-yard line and Rick Moser, famed actor Rick Moser, Tony, entered the game at running back with Franco on the sideline getting his shoulder looked at. I don't know if you know this, but we talked about O.J. Simpson being in the press box for this game because he wasn't playing. And O.J. Simpson was on one of the very first HBO series, a football show called First and Ten. I was just talking about that with a buddy yesterday. And Rick Moser was one of the California Bulls players on that show. And he was also the football coordinator for that show as well. So nobody knew the destiny that they would be on the small screen together. Yeah, I didn't. I, that's, that's a great, uh, great little story i had no idea i remember watching that show in the 80s i had no i had no idea rick moser 
first of all, that he was ever a stealer at that point, and that he he would he had he played such a big role in that in that in that show. Guess who was else on that show as a bartender for a couple episodes? Couldn't even imagine. Yes, you can. He was the driver of the white Bronco, AC Al Cowlings. Oh, wow. Wow. Talk about that's crazy. Oh, wow. That's another great one. All these little tidbits. And Shannon Tweed was on that show, too. And I know that you had some magazines under your mattress with uh, with her picture on the cover. I cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> After first downs by Grossman, Moser and Swan, along with runs by Moser and Blyer, the Steelers were moving the football, but a false start by Ray Penny and a delay of game had the Steelers facing a third and 21 from the 25. Bradshaw surveyed the field like he did so well, and despite Swan double covered, drilled a bullet to number 88, and the Steelers now led 17 to nothing, Tony. As I said earlier, these are pretty lean years for the 49ers, and it was epitomized on this play. You're, you're, you have a third and 21, you have Lynn Swan covered, and yet he somehow manages to, uh, to catch a touchdown to make it 17 nothing. Let's go ahead and take a break, Tony, and we are going to get back for more of this classic game from Candlestick Park between the Steelers and the 49ers in 1978 on the Steelers Retro Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Steelers Retro Show. I am Brian Anthony Davis. You could call me bad along with my friend Tone Deaf, Tony Defio, as we take a peek at a 1978 game on Monday Night Football with Howard Cosell, Frank Gifford, and Dandy Don Meredith. Wow, they were so much fun to check out, Tony. I loved just watching this game to listen to how Monday Night Football and just football in general was broadcast back then. found it pretty refreshing to watch this game. We usually don't get to watch really old Steeler games, especially when they were on Monday Night Football. And these guys were so legendary and, and in a lot of ways they helped change the game. They helped make the NFL as popular as it, as it is today. And it was such a unique crew with, with, with Howard, with his uh, hard opinions and Dandy Don always reminding us through his demeanor that it wasn't a big, it wasn't life or death. And then of course, Frank Effort was trying to keep everything together. It was, it was a really great and, and unique uh, uh, booth. One of my favorite all time sports books is I never played the game by Howard Cosell. I think it came out in 1985 and he really truly told it like it was. And man, he was brutal in this game talking about Freddie Solomon and, oh, yeah. and different players. And, and he's like, look, I just have to tell you the truth. That was a terrible trade, man. He was classic. I mean, all, all of us uh, keyboard warriors on Twitter and Facebook and everything. I mean, Howard was, Howard was the real deal and doing it in, in person and, 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 and probably received thousands of angry letters each and every every week. He was he was truly a pioneer. Who's the closest thing to Howard these days? Would it be Stephen A. Smith just because he's outspoken? Yeah, Stephen A. Smith, maybe Skip Bayless, all those guys. But it's it's it, he was. It, there's nothing like the first, and that, Howard Cosell was the first of of that kind of genre of of sports journalism. And it was for his time. I mean, it was it was really something different. Yeah, but guys like Smith. And Skip, like you mentioned, 
they still have a line that they don't cross. Howard didn't care. And that's why he was so great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, if you listen to this game later on, you could tell that Dandy Don was drunk towards the end of this. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> he was asking questions about Rune Arledge from, <laughs> from ABC. Is he still with the network? Yeah. yeah. He's on the news side. Yeah, he's the boss. Be careful. And they're like, ah! What, what a different time. I, I've been sending him messages and he's not getting back to me. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, that guy oh, was something. The 70s, what a time. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. When a three and out was negated due to an encroachment penalty on Dwight White, the Niners had new life. Mad Dog atoned on the next play by thumping Bull and getting the sack. An interference call on Lauren Tays in first down catches by Ken Harrison and Seal had the 49ers on the verge of scoring. But Bull's pass into the end zone was to the wrong color jersey again. The theft occurred when the ball waffled and Jack Ham snagged it for his second interception of the 1978 season. There's Ham again. With a little more than a minute left before halftime, Harris moved the chains with consecutive runs, but penalties continued to plague the Steelers as the black and gold couldn't get into field goal range, and despite positive runs by Sidney Thornton, the clock ran out on the half with the Steelers up 17-0. The Steelers were a Super Bowl-winning team this season at the end, but they weren't the most disciplined in this game, and they weren't flawless in this game either, Tony. No, they weren't. They weren't. They, they, had, they had their issues. They, they turned the ball over. The, the offense was kind of struggling at this point in the season. And, and, and it was kind of, they were kind of scuffling at this point. You, know, you look at that 14-2 record, you think, oh, they, everything was great. But this was a point in the, in the year where they were kind of scuffling and trying to find their way. And they lost a week before to the Rams. The visitors in their white jerseys started out after a penalty on the second half kick. They started on their own 11 without Harris, who continued to suffer from a pinched nerve in his shoulder. The Steelers were starting to successfully move the ball, but Moser fumbled it away after Archie Reese jarred it loose. Reese was dynamic in the game for the San Francisco defense, just need to say. With good field position at the Pittsburgh 38 and a chance to get back in the game. But controversy would follow on the very next play as John Banaszak cracked Hofer and Donnie Shell stripped the ball away, scampering all the way to the end zone. But the referees, who were in the underdog's corner all night long, deemed that the whistle was blown before the strip occurred. Chuck Noll was livid on the sideline, but Shell would get sweet redemption on the very next play with a pick of Scott Bull. On the next drive, number 12 would move the chains towards midfield with a pass completion of Swan, but the Steelers couldn't get anything going and had to punt. In fact, both teams would trade punts again. Tony, would have that play been turned over if instant replay was going on back then? Oh, I, I would sure hope so. I, I can't believe it, 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 it was called the way it was even back then in 1978 without, without instant replay. It, it, it was, it, it, like you said, it almost felt like they were trying to keep the 49ers in the game because it did not make any sense right there. It was a clear strip by Shaw, but as you said, he, uh, he got his revenge uh, a little bit later with the interception. When we do these games, it's always number 31 we're talking about. He is so much better than anybody remembers. I know he just got into the Hall of Fame. He was an absolute dynamo. On the Steelers' second of those two punts, Jack Steptoe had an incredible return of 30 yards to the 37. But punter Craig Colquitt got into position to make the tackle, so the 49ers were kept off the board. If he hadn't, Steptoe would have taken the ball all the way to the house. 
The 49ers would lose eight on the first play when Hayes sniffed out a reverse and tripped Solomon for the loss. It didn't get much better, though, as two long buck passes were defended by the Pittsburgh secondary, the last knocked away by a guy who had five interceptions that season, Tony. Another Tony, Tony Dungy. Yeah. Speaking of surreal, it was surreal watching Tony Dungy play a big role in the game. I don't think I've ever seen him have such a, a big role. I forgot that he, he played as much as he did, but yeah, he was, he was a pretty good player when, when he was in there. He even played quarterback once for the, those early 1978, 79 teams. I, I think he had to come in and play a game. Yeah, I, I definitely knew about that. They were, they were depleted at quarterback. Uh, they had a lot of injuries and he came in and, and played. I smell future retro show, Tony. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Do some research. Let's find out what that game was. After the Niners punt trapped the Steelers down on their own three, fortunes turned briefly for San Fran. Blyer fumbled and rookie Willie McRae picked the pigskin up at the five-yard line. After Hofer got stuffed on three straight plays, Paul found the end zone on fourth and goal on a quick count with the Steelers' defense not set. To celebrate the score, a cable car drove down the sidelines. I thought that was so neat, Tony. Yeah, that was definitely a... something I wasn't expecting, but, but I, I, it was probably rare in those days too, for them to be able to use that. So it it was great. It was great for them to to be able to celebrate on this play. I don't think they scored much in the seventies, but that was really cool. I don't think they did that in the eighties. That is so awesome. That's a little hidden gem. You need to check out with 56 seconds left in the quarter. The 49ers were back in the game by a score of 17, seven after a seven yarder by Moser. And after nearly throwing a pick on second down, Bradshaw connected with Swanee for a gain of 23 to get to the 44 at the end of the third quarter. After a seven-yarder by Moser and after Bradshaw nearly threw a pick on second down, Terry went to Swan for a gain of 23 to get to the 44 at the end of the third. The Steelers continued to ride Rick Moser, number 39. On third down, the shorthanded Blyers number was called to get the first down. It was the 49ers who got it, though, as Rocky fumbled the ball away again. It just was not a good night for Rocky Blyer. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's one of those things. You, you see all these guys on, on NFL Films highlights, and they all look perfect, but they, were, they, they had their bad days, too, and Rocky certainly <laughs> had a bad game. And, and this fumble was huge because the 49ers were feeling it at this point, and they were right back in the game with one quarter to go. Hometown was on the move again, but Jack Ham leapt in the air to snag his second interception of the evening to set up business for Bradshaw, but ended up in a Colquitt punt. The defense would come to play, though. After a returning LC Greenwood made a big stop on second down, Mean Joe Green burst through for a huge sack to force another Frisco punt. Fielding the kick was Jim Smith, who almost broke free on the return, taking the ball to the 49. Tony, we need to talk someday about how great Jim Smith was. If he sticks around instead of going to the USFL, maybe, you know, players like that sticking around, maybe it's a different uh, decade, but, but it wasn't meant to be. But he was, he was a great talent for them uh, the short time that he was here. Steelers kept the ball on the ground with runs by Moser, Thornton, and Bradshaw moving the chains. There was a nervous moment, though, when Moser ran for the first, but the ball popped loose and bounced right back in his grasp. For the first down. Facing a fourth and one later on at the 9 or 25, Bradshaw barely moved the sticks on the sneak. After having to come out for a play after taking a hard hit, Bradshaw returned to throw an 11 yard pass to Stallworth in front of Teddy Lewis. 
with 210 left in the game. The Steelers now led 24 to 7. Niners desperate to get hopeless points on the scoreboard. Well, they were the victim of two sacks on the last series at the hands of Gary Dunn. Then instead of Dunn, it was Dungey with the big play. Number 21's interception was the fifth theft of bull on the night with less than 30 seconds to play. Here comes number 15, Mike Krusek, into the game to run out the clock. And as Dandy Dan Meredith crooned, turn out the lights. The party's, party's over. over. <laughs> that was great. I, did, I, I always think of that Houston Oilers game when he when he did that in the Astrum against the Dolphins. But but this was it was it was he must have been drunk. But uh, who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I I hope he was because that was great stuff. And the party was over for the 49ers. The Steelers advanced to eleven and two, clinching a playoff spot. And the 49ers were playing for nothing because their first round pick was going to the Buffalo Bills in 1979. But this was the beginning of a 49er dynasty with some of these players hanging around and ending up Super Bowl champions. Now think about this. If they don't make that trade, Tony, maybe they take a quarterback earlier on in the draft and not a man named Joe Montana in the third round from Notre Dame in 1979. So maybe that trade wasn't so bad after all. Absolutely. Yeah. As we talked about before, fate is a, is a pretty funny thing. And, and, you know, it happened with the Steelers, Johnny Unitas, he, he gets cut and who knows how history would have, would have been different if, if he wasn't, we might have never even heard of Terry Bradshaw. So yeah, they had a lot of young players and through fate, they, they found their quarterback the following year. And a, and a couple of years after that, they, or maybe that next year, they found Bill Walsh to coach. So it all started coming together, but it wasn't their night on this night. That's for sure. You go back in time and you just change one draft pick, one major draft pick. It changes the whole history of the league from that point forward. So that would be, that's really interesting. So Tony, thanks so much for checking out this game with me. This was a dandy, a dandy Don of a game, Tony. It was so much fun. I, 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 I've always seen the score, you know, you, you go back and, and research, you know, 1978 Steelers and you see the score 24 seven ho-hum, but then you go back and you watch and I watched it and it was, it was, it was so, so entertaining with the ABC crew and, and, and the, and the, it, well, it wasn't, the, the backstory wasn't so entertaining, but it was, it was really a interesting and surreal and, and fun night uh, for Steeler fans. As always, I want to give a shout out to McMillan and wife. That's where we get these games. I tell you what classic stuff. I love watching these games. This is my favorite show to do, Tony, because the research is so fun. I've been watching a bunch of them. I've got about eight retro shows getting ready for us to record. I'm going to keep on watching, and we're going to be keep on having shows for you, my friends. Absolutely, yeah. You know, it's it's not every day you can say, "Look, I got to go work and watch the Steeler game." So please <laughs> let me work. So it's it's a lot of fun. Oh, that gets me out of so much uh, at the house. My wife's like, "Oh no, Brian has to work. The Steeler game's on, and he gets paid to watch it." <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, just trust us. I mean, doesn't get paid much, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's good work if you can find it. Absolutely. For Tony Defio, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. You can take us away. We don't mind, but you better promise us we'll be back in time. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.